Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. I didn't want to delay Jane from getting started with her weekend, but I, I did I did comment that, that newscast, the weather forecast grew. Did you hear it? Snow on Tuesday. Rain and snow possible. Snow. Great. Now, of course, Jane Matinair, being the glasses half full gal that she is, she said, well, it probably won't stick. <laughs> you know, I said, well, I, I guess, yeah, but goodness gracious. I mean, it's not even, it's not even November, and they're talking about snow. Wow. Um, okay, well, 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 we'll see. We will muddle through. Hey, I want to start. We've got an eclectic program today, lots of local issues, some national issues, some lighter stuff as we move through the program. I want to start with a story that is um, local and certainly not a light issue. You know, over the... Over the years, I have been critical of a lot of things that Mayor Tom Barrett has done. Primarily, I think the, the, the trolley folly and the fascination with downtown as opposed to like a lot of the rest of, of the city. At the same time, there are issues that I am incredibly sympathetic to the mayor about because it's got to be just incredibly frustrating to get these phone calls and to get the, these stories that, that that come out, and you want to you want to wrestle for a solution, and I don't know what it is. And of course, I'm, I'm talking about this latest story from last night: the six-year-old girl hit and killed while crossing the street. If you haven't heard these details, about five thirty in the afternoon, five thirty last night, twenty-second and Center Street. Controlled intersection. Cars stopped at the red light. All right? And a bunch of kids are crossing with the light. What happens is this car pulls up at a high rate of speed, swerves around the cars that are stopped at the intersection waiting for the light to change because there are these kids in the intersection. And, you know, the, 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 pedestrians have the light car swerves around the vehicles that are stopped waiting for the light to change blows through the intersection at a high rate of speed hits three of these kids injures a four-year-old injures the 10-year-old and kills the six-year-old the car then takes off So you plow through this intersection at a high rate of speed, running the red light, and then the car takes off and drives away. The two, so the six-year-old is killed. The the two others are seriously injured. The two girls were sisters. The kids were heading home after playing at a playground at a nearby school. And, and, I mean, I, I saw the mayor on the newscast, and he is 
as frustrated, I think, as a lot of us are. The, the, pe- the person is driven away. I, I know this is a priority for the police department. I have no doubt that they're going to ultimately catch the person who did this. But I, I do think, you know, that this happened – well, 5.30 last night. They still don't, at least to my knowledge, have that person in custody. There are people out there in the community who know who did this. This is not something that that people don't find out. The guy or gal that did this, there's damage to the vehicle. It is stashed somewhere. I guarantee you that there are people in the community who know who blew through that intersection and hit and killed that child. I guarantee it. Hopefully they will come forward and the person will be brought to justice. But it doesn't bring the child back. It, it doesn't. And the larger point, and I look, and I, I share the mayor's frustration with this. I, I do. And I, he is genuinely and appropriately outraged, as I think most of us should be. I guess the bigger point here, beyond the horror of this particular situation, is this type of thing, unfortunately, happens on a regular basis. I I told the story, I I think about a week, week and a half ago, on this program, about how Saturday, a week, a couple weeks ago Saturday, like 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm heading from Ozaki County downtown. I'm on the freeway. I see this car, and and it was there was moderate amount of traffic. I mean, it wasn't heavy traffic. It was a Saturday morning, but there were lots of cars out there. And I, I see this car coming up behind me, and it's it's moving. If I'm moving seventy, this car is moving ninety or ninety five. And I'm watching the car, you know, swerve in and out between lanes. It comes up to me. Now I'm in the right lane. There's a car in the left lane, two lanes of the freeway. This is between Brown Deer Road and Good Hope Road, and, and we have nowhere to go. I mean, it, it's just there's there there is nowhere to go because I, I I can't move over. I'm already in the right lane. Honest to goodness, this car comes up. I would say at least ninety miles an hour passes me on the shoulder. Now, at this particular part of the freeway, there's the shoulder kind of goes down into this ditch, and I'm watching the car. There's dirt flying all over. Car passes me, swerves in front of me to try to get back on the lane, goes across to the left lane, goes onto the left shoulder of the freeway, then gets back on. And again, and then I watch it do the same thing with you know another group of cars ahead, ultimately getting off on Good Hope Road at a high rate of speed. I really didn't get an identification of the car. No license plate, so I'm assuming it was stolen. Looked like a kid driving it because there was just all I could see was that this head that barely came up over the steering wheel so I assumed it was a kid I assumed the car was stolen but I'm thinking there but for the grace of God you know go this this could have easily been fatalities and it could have been me it could have been the person next to me it, it could have been anybody on this road because you have a certain section of, of, of people who apparently just don't care at all about themselves or about anybody else. And that's the story from yesterday. You have somebody that blows through this red light on 22nd and Center. Now, I, I know we've talked about this before, and I, I get frustrated, and I know the mayor gets frustrated, because th- this happens on a regular basis. Now, thank God that, that it, it's not always a situation that has this tragic outcome to it where you have, you know, somebody that's hit. But my guess is if you drive around this area, particularly the city of Milwaukee, for any length of time, 
you have seen something like this, not that resulted in the tragedy because of the kids being hit, but could have easily resulted in kids being hit or whatever by people just blowing through the intersections, people driving in a reckless fashion, people passing at the lights, doing everything that this creep did yesterday. But for whatever reasons, it doesn't result in somebody dying. Thank goodness. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think as a starting point, as a starting point, we need to recognize that reckless driving is a much bigger deal than we consider it to be. I, I think all too often what happens is the people that are driving high rates of speed, blowing red lights, driving around without insurance, and normally it's all the same sort of thing. I mean, it's kind of treated as a game instead of the dangerous behavior that it is. And and I guess I look at this and say, you know, should we should we wait until that person who blows the red light at a high rate of speed and hits and kills the, the six-year-old, should we wait until they do that? Before we start to get serious, because my guess is when they catch this person, my guess is that you're going to find that this is not that person's first time at the rodeo and that there's going to be a lengthy record of reckless driving and things like that for the safety of the rest of us. Do we need to get more serious? Do we need to really start penalizing people for reckless types of behavior? Blowing through stop sites, stop stoplights, high rates of speed, weaving in and out, passing people at ninety-five miles an hour, you know, on the on the side of the the freeway. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do we need to do more? Do there need to be more consequences to try to stop people who drive like this before they kill other people? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my answer is absolutely yes. You grab yourself a gun, you point that gun at somebody, and you pull the trigger, you are going to be held accountable, hopefully. You get behind the wheel of a car, you drive 90 miles an hour, you blow through a red light, you are just, you are in many respects, you, you are just as dangerous to the general public as that person who takes the gun and pulls the trigger. Maybe even more dangerous because there's always the chance with the gun that you might miss. With the car, not so much so. 414-799-1620. We'll take a break and then discuss. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. 414-799-1620. Look, I, I'm frustrated by this because just like the mayor, I don't have the answer. But but I know this cannot be allowed to go on. You know, you. You have to, if, if a city is going to survive, you have to be able to walk across the street with the light without fear that you are going to be gunned down by some creep driving 80 miles an hour or whatever, blowing through the red light. And yet, in, in certain parts of the city of Milwaukee, we are losing, we're losing that. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my guess is, you, you perhaps, if you do any degree of driving, you see this all the time. And you sit there, and, and at least if you're like me, the reaction is, I, I can't believe that person just did that, and there but for the grace of God go I. Is this an isolated sorts of situation, or is this an epidemic 
of reckless driving that needs to be dealt with. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's go to the text line first. Jeff, I drive dump truck and I get to all parts of the city. I'm honestly surprised that this does not happen more often. Certain parts of the city, stoplights, speed limits, rules of the road, um, they're mere suggestions, nothing more, to which I would say, you know, amen. Um, Jeff, I drive that area a lot. I never see any officers, never. Why don't we put more officers in areas where there are problems like that? Well, I think, you know, that unfortunately, there are so many areas where this goes on that I'm not sure you, you have enough police officers to to do this. Jeff, I drive in Milwaukee as part of my job. I have yet to witness extra police in the so-called enforcement zones. Uh, the mayor you know, begs people to behave. Well, how about finding a way to add police to enforce the law and make the streets safer, which I think is a fair comment. Um, and also something, you know, that you have to keep in mind, given, you know, the mayor is saying, hey, we're going to cut 60 police positions unless, you know, I get the sales tax authority These not going to get. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Taught and Taught. Text line. Uh, Jeff, I have four children that I taught and instructed how to drive. The first thing I told them, um, other than no texting and driving, was don't assume that people stop at stoplights and stop signs. Even though you have the right of way, you don't assume they're going to stop. I have seen many times people blow through stoplights and stop signs. I was actually involved in an accident where we were progressing through an intersection. Somebody threw, blew through the red light in the car in front of me, which spun around and then hit me. Something has to change, to which I would say absolutely, you know, amen. It, it does have to change. Problem is, the word is not getting out. Jeff, I see this behavior all the time on a stretch between 60th and Bradley Road to 60th and Good Hope Road on our way to the Milwaukee Elks Lodge on 55th and Good Hope. It's like a racetrack. Yes, it it, it is. And, it, you know, it's one thing if you're in the car, you're extremely vulnerable to the person blowing through the red light. But what about these pedestrians? These kids did not even have – they didn't have a chance. They just flat did not have a chance. They're crossing the – it's still light. It's not dark. It's 530 at night last night. They're on their way back to supper, you know, from the playground. And you have somebody who comes up to a red light. Cars are stopped. Cars are stopped waiting for the red light, and the person decides, well, I don't need to pay attention to that. I'm going to go around these cars that are stopped at the red light, telling me that they knew what they were doing, and then they hit, kill the one child, severely injure two others, and then drive off. But I tell you something, when they catch this person, and they will catch the person, I, I just... I, I hope we don't get into this, this progressively-minded justice system where we decide to try to come up with excuses for the person who's done this. 414-799-1620. Gary in Milwaukee. Gary, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Gary. Hey, Jeff. You touched on an issue that is probably one of the important things is, uh, I was just telling uh, your previewer that mm-hmm. you drive by a police station at any time, you see 10, 10 15 squad cars sitting there. We need more presence Uh, on the streets, either stationary or patrolling. And this creep, like you said he was, what's he going to get when he he does get caught? Uh, You know, the plea bargain, or he'll get some jail time. And, you know, it's really really bad. Somebody knows he did this, and they're not coming forward. That's the sorry thing, too. 
Well, right. I mean, uh, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, there's damage to this car. My guess is somebody has helped the person stash the car for the time being. Now they're going to find it. They're, they're, this is this is a top law enforcement priority. You're, but but right, there, there's somebody out there in the community who I believe it will turn out has helped harbor this person because this happened at 5:30 last night, and now it, it's already 12:30 in the afternoon, and you know nobody's nobody has come forward, and to my knowledge, there hasn't been an arrest made. What kind of person, Gary, does something like this and then just drives off? I was in that area just prior to that, picking up my grandkids at, after school. Uh, and, and, you know, I think, you know, my grandkids could have been there. Absolutely. That, you know, th- thanks for the call. That, that's the thing that, see, that's the thing that, that, that just goes through everybody is that you know this 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 could have been you this could have been your grandkids it could have been your kids it could have, you you could have been walking in that intersection and, and i understand part of the reality is that there are areas nowadays and whenever i see this say this i i get criticism from from some people but i'll, I'll live with that there are as this is from the perspective of somebody who has lived in this area most of my life there are routes i will not drive anymore because of just the free-for-all and the crime situation. There are certain routes that maybe I would have taken 20, 25 years ago if I had to go from point A to point B. I won't do that anymore. I will find alternative routes. But but now it's that the problem has just spread. Now, I understand this is 22nd and center, but, you know, I was telling the story about what I'm seeing on the freeway in the northern part of Milwaukee County, you know, a week ago or two weeks ago on Saturday. It's you're not safe anywhere. And what we are doing right now is not working. Do you need a greater law enforcement presence, whether it's more sheriff's deputies or more police out on patrols? Absolutely. Do you need more aggressive prosecution when it comes to people that are driving recklessly? Absolutely. Do we need judges that are going to start realizing that this is a menace? And start warehousing, yes, that's the word I used, warehousing people who blow through red lights and stolen cars at 85 miles an hour. Absolutely. We, we need, we need all that. I'm not sure we're going to get it though. And unfortunately, until we do, until we have that attitude change and recognizing that this is, this is dangerous behavior, unfortunately, we're going to have more and more stories like this horrible one that comes from 22nd and Center last night. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. But before moving on from that, at the horrible hit and run last night, the, the Journal Sentinel reporting that as of late this morning, Milwaukee police say they are continuing to seek suspects in the crash. Suspects, plural. Uh, a spokes, a family friend um, is quoted as saying that the, the mother of the, the, the child that was, was hit and killed was told at least one person had been taken into custody in connection with the crash. But that's not an official statement from the authorities. And the official MPD statement is, as of late morning, they're still continuing to seek suspects in the crash. Um, it, it will, of course, also be be interesting. That might not be the right word to use to, to find out who was involved in, in this and, you know, whether or not it was it a stolen car 
are these people that have a lengthy, lengthy criminal records or lengthy traffic records who've, you know, driving without licenses, all that type of stuff. And, and that's going to come out. There, there's no question about it. And then we'll be able to analyze it again and maybe talk about that in more detail. But, but I will say, I mean, right now, it, it's like, it's like the Wild West, not just with crime and shootings and things like that, but just with the, I, to say it's reckless driving doesn't begin to describe this. And I'll tell you something, that the law enforcement authorities and the legal community, the prosecutors, the courts, got to get a handle on this. You just have to get a handle on it. You you cannot have people afraid to cross the street. You can't have people afraid to drive in certain neighborhoods. And unfortunately, I don't even know what those neighborhoods are anymore because it seems like everywhere you go, you, you have this, this reckless sort of driving. So we'll, we'll know more, I think, in the relatively near future about the people who are responsible for this hit and run. And um, and I think that's going to probably raise more questions than it answers as well. All right. A week from today is when Tent City is supposed to be cleared out. Tent City is, of course, the the sort of homeless encampment, the the squatters area um, beneath Interstate 794, beneath the overpass um, at North 6th Street and West Clybourne Streets. The... The powers that be, the county, the Department of Transportation, allowed this this homeless encampment to thrive over the last several months. You had a number of well-intentioned um, service agencies that enabled these people to, to live under the, the freeway overpass. They'd bring tents. They'd bring um, clothing. They'd bring food, etc. So you set up this, this kind of squatter's village under this area the winter is coming on and i don't think anybody would argue that it's it's good for people to be living outside you know during the winter in addition and and let's not lose sight of this the in a number of cities across this country you you have these huge issues with homelessness that have created a real tension between the advocates for homeless and the homeless and, and the other people in the community and it's not as bad in Milwaukee as it is in Austin or San Francisco or Los Angeles or Seattle. But you don't want to have it become as bad. In addition, we've got the Democratic National Convention coming next summer. And I guarantee you the last thing that anybody involved with the convention or involved in the city of Milwaukee who wants to put the best foot forward, it wants to have is within a mile of the Democratic Convention or a mile and a half to have a huge you know, homeless encampment. So the Department of Transportation, which owns that space under the, the freeway, they have been allowing this to go on for months and months and months. They've now issued an order saying you got to be out by October 31st, which is a week from now. Now, you've had a huge effort of both the public and private sector coming together to find places to locate folks. And so right now, it's gone from 90-plus people to approximately 40-plus people. My guess, though, is the remaining 40-plus people are, by and large, going to be the people that are most difficult to place or, alternatively, are people who just don't want to go. And there, there is, there is an element of that. I mean, that's the problem that people don't necessarily want to deal with. That you have people who, 
um, for whatever reasons. Maybe it's drug problems. Maybe it's alcohol problems. Maybe it's a problem with mental illness. They don't want to. They don't want to play by the rules. They, they don't want to go into a shelter or a facility where there's going to be rules that say, okay, you have to be in at a certain time. You can't fight. You can't drink. You can't do drugs. All those different types of things, and, and that's that's going to be the problem. You know, it's not the people who don't want to be there um, and just they've been displaced and they're looking for some alternative. Though A lot of those people have been placed. So my guess is of this remaining 40, most, maybe not most, but many are, again, sort of these hardcore folks who finding placement is going to be difficult. All right, so here is what I want to discuss with you next. The Department of Transportation is given a deadline saying, Next Thursday, a week from yesterday. Now, in the Journal Sentinel today, they quote the county housing administrator as saying, well, the Department of Transportation, they're not going to forcibly remove people. They're just as concerned as we are about getting folks indoors, so we just don't see it coming to that. So they've already said, I guess, that they're not going to forcibly remove people. All right, here is my question to you. Let us say... A week transpires. We are sitting here one week from today. It's November 1st. The deadline has passed, and you still have 15, 20, 25 people occupying tents in that area who do not want to leave. And you've had people give them, offer them alternatives, but they don't want to go. Do we forcibly remove them? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you do if a week from now there's still a dozen or two dozen people left who don't want to go? What do you think? We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. Dave in Appleton. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Okay. Uh, it's a week from now. We still have 20 or so people under that underpass. What happens? This is easy, Jeff. Friday, November 1st, you go in with one of those roll-off dumpsters. You scoop everything up that's laying around. You throw in the dumpster. If anybody complains, you arrest them for trespassing. Okay. This is the consequences. You just did 45 minutes on people don't suffer consequences right. for their illegal actions. These are illegally... Yep trespassing on DOT property, yep. get out or go to jail. Okay, period. now play this down the, the next step with me, though. And I, I, I appreciate everything you're saying. And by the way, I don't disagree. All right, you move in, you you clean out all the stuff. You, you get rid of all the, the garbage and stuff. You get rid of the tents, etc. You still have a dozen or two people. You say you can't stay there. If they stay there, you, you arrest them for trespassing. I'm with you there. Yep. All right, where do these people go? What... What happens then? You say, okay, you, you can't stay here. You've got to leave. And so you've got a dozen people or two dozen people, whatever the number is, now just wandering the streets of Milwaukee? Well, wander the streets of Milwaukee. There's homeless shelters, yeah. as you said, but they don't want to follow the rules. Right. Yes, wander the streets of Milwaukee. Okay. I mean, it is to the point of ridiculousness. And I would have police officers roll by there literally every half hour, and if a tent shows up, you go and take the tent down. They should have done that with the first tent that went up. Well, right. You know, the interesting thing is going to be to me also is that even if you're able to clear this out now, what what happens 
when the next tent city starts to er- erupt? Let, let's say, you know, April 1st, all of a sudden more tents start to appear. Um, did you allow that to go on? And my answer to you would be no, I, I don't think you can. Once you clear it out, I think it's got to stay cleared out. Well, not only here, but anywhere else. I mean, the reason that San Francisco and all these other cities are in the problem is because they let it start. Yep. Yeah, they, I mean, absolutely. Pursuant to what you were just saying, you know, if you don't arrest people for running through stoplights, they're going to run through stoplights. Yep. I yep. mean, you have to stop it when it starts. First tent goes up, you tear it down, move on. I, right. You know, I, you see, th- thanks for call. And I know, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Uh, here's an, I, th- see, th- this is the quandary. Um, okay, for example, I have a text here, Jeff. I would definitely remove them, but I would take them to a homeless shelter or to you know a, an alcohol facility where they can get help. The problem with that is that again we're we're going to be we're talking about the, this hardcore homeless folks because my guess is a lot of the and I I, I don't want to in any way shape or form um, depreciate the, the success that they've had in in reducing the population from 90 to 40, you know, and, and finding temporary housing for a lot of people. My guess is, though, for the, the people that they've gotten out of there, it's people who wanted to be out of there. You know, the, the, it's, it's probably the easier ones to find places for. So, again, the, the question becomes, you know, what, what do you do? Yes, you've removed all this stuff. Yes, you've taken people to the homeless shelter, but they don't want to go into the homeless shelter because the homeless shelter has rules. You can't fight. You can't drink. You've got to, you know, be in at a certain hour and, and you don't want to do that. I, I guess that's the, the quandary that this is in. But I do agree with with Dave that you can't your, your word has to mean something. And if you say this deadline, you got to be out by October 31st and October 31st rolls around. And despite the best efforts of everybody, you, you have a group of people who still aren't out. Maybe you give them a day or two, but but otherwise, if if by next weekend you still have fifteen or twenty people that are camped out under the freeway, you got to move them out. And, and, and yeah, maybe it means that you you bring in the county sheriff's department with the dumpsters and and you clean the stuff out. But you've got you cannot allow this to to continue. Now maybe by doing that, just maybe what you will do is you will force some of the the people who you know we we all know that, that sometimes if if you don't want to make a decision, you know, you don't want to make a change. You just procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate. So, you know, maybe, you know, some of those folks that are still remaining, it's like, well, I'm, I'm going to stay here as long as I possibly can because I don't like a lot of the alternatives. And I also realize that for some of the folks, what that means is you're going to clear it out there and, and you're just, you're going to move them onto the, onto the streets because if they refuse to accept help or refuse to go to some of these places that, that the help is being offered for, there, there's not that much you can do, and I, I understand this, but you can't let people camp out in public parks. You can't let people essentially strike up encampments under freeway overpasses. And if you say you got to be out by October 31st, you, you you can't draw a line in the sand and then ignore it. Now, like I say, if, if people are in the process of moving and, and you need an extra day or two, well, why provoke a confrontation over that extra day or two? But if, if people think that this is going to go on for another month or another two months you can't have it also you've got to set a precedent because unless you do something unless you show that you mean it what is going to happen is that this this is going to spring up again 
you know, next spring or, or whenever. You know, you're going to have people that are going to want to set up tents, if not under this particular freeway overpass, may, maybe in, you know, one of the parks or, or whatever, or, you know, closer into downtown Milwaukee or whatever. You can't allow that to happen. You, I think, and I understand this sounds heartless, and I don't mean it that way. I am all in favor of trying to get people help. The problem is there's some people who are just going to resist those efforts. And and for that population, I don't know that there's much, if anything, you're going to be able to do. But, you know, moving forward, once you clean out that tent city and you got to clean it out, if not by next Thursday, certainly within a couple days of next Thursday, you can't allow it to recreate itself again because then you're really going to, we're going to be in the same boat that we're in now. We'll be there next spring or we'll be there next summer or whatever. So we can't allow people to just kind of flop on the streets or trespass on public lands. And if you think that this isn't a problem, you know, you should see the stories that I read on a daily basis about this. I mean, Austin, huge problem between the homeless population that is setting up like campgrounds on downtown Austin and the people who live there and pay taxes and all. Same thing is true in San Francisco. Same thing is true in San Diego, Los Angeles, Seattle, huge problems. We, we can't let that happen to Milwaukee, and I don't mean that to sound heartless. I, I hope that the, the advocates for the homeless are able to get everybody to voluntarily leave by next Thursday, but my experience tells me that there's going to be a certain percentage of people who aren't going to do that. And in that particular case, you're going to have to forcibly move them out. And I understand authorities don't want to do it because it's going to be bad pictures on TV and outrage in certain circles. But if you give a deadline saying you got to be gone by the end of October, you got to enforce the deadline. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. For those of you who want President Trump gone, is it time to take it to the streets? And for those of you who don't want President Trump gone, would taking it to the streets help or hurt the cause? Let me back into this. Uh, back back in the day, I, I, I really came of age in, in the 70s. Um, but I, I remember I remember the Vietnam War protests, and, and you could not turn on the nightly news back when people still watch nightly news without seeing pictures of of giant demonstrations. You know, young people, older people marching in the streets, protesting the U.S. involvement in Vietnam, organized activities, people burning their draft cards and, and things like that. You, you'd have marches on Washington where enormous numbers of people would show up. You, you really had, uh, and it seemed like almost almost every weekend, there was some sort of protest that, that was out there. I mean, remember what happened, the, the, the infamous 1968 Democratic National Convention, where you had all these protesters who descended on Chicago. And of course, that's where the term police riot was first coined. But you had people taking to the streets. I then have a much more vivid recollection of the, the 1973 and 1974, the Watergate era, where the, the same sort of thing was out there. There were, you know, people that were convinced that Richard Nixon was a crook and that Richard Nixon had to go. And I mean, I can remember massive marches on Washington and again, people taking to the streets and protesting, you know, got to get rid of Nixon, et cetera, et cetera. I, I remember those protest movements and I will tell you, I, I think the the protest movements against vietnam 
helped bring a conclusion to the Vietnam War, perhaps sooner than it might otherwise have concluded, it, it certainly affected American policy. And similarly, I think the the Watergate, the outpouring of protests against Watergate, it, that that contributed contributed to the demise of the Nixon administration. So from from time to time since then, you know, we've had people take to the streets and there have been there have been protests um, in Wisconsin. You know, if you just you don't have to go that far back. I mean, just remember that the demonstrations that occurred after Act 10, you had all these union activists from all over the country who swept in, plus fueled by students, fueled by, you know, a lot of other activists. Uh, you know, you, you had you had these big demonstrations, the takeovers in Madison and things like that. At the end of the day, that did not work. And I think you can make an argument that those protests had a boomerang effect, that there was a backlash to them because a lot of people said, now, this is just this is way overboard for what is going on here. So that's always the danger with protests. Well, with that in mind, there's a piece in The New York Times that I've been wanting to talk to you about for the last couple of days. The headline says, want Trump to go take to the streets. And the, the opinion writer Let me just read a very brief part of it. The impeachment inquiry has reached the stage where it needs an outside game. We all know what the inside game is likely to lead. House Democrats will impeach Trump. Senate Republicans will acquit him. He will claim vindication. All right. And that's that's what I've been saying. I think at this this stage right now, that is probably the most likely outcome. Well, the person writing this column says, no, 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 that's that's not enough. His argument is we can't let this happen. Trump's Trump's presidency is too dire for this. And the theory is what has to happen is people need to take um, to the streets. Um, You know, what has to happen is there has to be a protest movement. A monkey wrench needs to be thrown into a process that was other guys going to unfold smoothly. And that role is an outside game. What they're referring to, the outside game, meaning people outside of politics taking to the streets. Protests work. Um, often when groups are willing to be bold in their tactics and persistent in their approach within the broad discretion of nonviolent action, protest serves as a powerful signal to the rest of society that something extraordinary is happening. And if that's the time, the idea that if if hundreds of thousands of people decide to take to the streets and the streets of our cities and protest Donald Trump, um, an intense grassroots camp, campaign, a new protest movement that can perhaps galvanize people and convince people that maybe he needs to be removed from office. So that that's the theory that's out there and being batted around now. It's time for the left to take matters in their own hands and start, again, the giant public protests. I'm intrigued by this concept. Like I say, I think the Vietnam era protests were effective to an extent. I think the Watergate era protests were effective to an extent. I think the Act 10 protests, not only were they ultimately ineffective, but they resulted in a backlash that caused, I mean, I, I think support in this case for, for, in that case for Scott Walker. So 414-799-1620, that is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time for people to take to the streets demanding the removal of President Trump 
And, and if that were to happen, that is, if people were to take to the streets, would it be effective or do you think it's more likely that it would create a backlash? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I've got my theory, but I'm curious as to what you think. We'll discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time to take it to the streets? And if people do, what's the most likely outcome? You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. Opinion piece in the New York Times says, look, it's it's not going to impeachment removal of Donald Trump isn't going to get done if if the system just works what they call the inside game. House will impeach. The Senate will acquit. Trump will declare vindication. The author says what needs to happen is there needs to be a protest movement, something akin to the Vietnam War protests or the Watergate protests, people taking to the streets en masse demanding the removal of President Trump. Would that happen and would it work? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Lucy on the west side. Hi, Lucy. Hi there. Um, I was there, Jeff. <laughs> I'm older than you are, and I was in those demonstrations, and I made the folders and the posters, and uh, I think we we ticked off as many people as we gathered. We mm-hmm. helped get Nixon elected because people were so um, upset. Uh, remember the silent majority? Right. Well, certainly certainly the, uh, the protests at the Democratic National Convention sunk Humphrey and bolstered Nixon, no question about it. Yeah, and... What, what finally ended the Vietnam War, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have protested. We should have. We should have been a heck of a lot smarter about it, but that's a whole other story about who we appeal to. But if you're going to protest in the genius of Martin Luther King and those demonstrations, is you have a goal. Mm-hmm. You have something you want done that people can then go home from the protests energized and get into the political system. Um, whatever your political system is, your union, your church, your community organization and persuade people and the the demonstration is just a kickoff if it's just a street demonstration that draws out people on the other side and you have people fighting in the streets you aren't going to get anywhere okay so let's let's fast forward this conversation to to 2019 2020 all right you've got this impeachment process that's going on this this author says now it, it look if 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 there is not some mass protest that's out there that tries to you know put pressure on the lawmakers nothing is going to to happen do you buy that um no i don't and what i don't want to see is the the distraction of demonstrations and counter demonstrations i think some of those senators might turn if they are subject to relentless pressure from constituents Mm -hmm. that's hard work and if you're going to do a demonstration, it should be followed up by, okay, here's what you do. Here's what, now, here, here's mm-hmm. the senators that you can target. Here's how you organize in their districts. Here's how you get the word out. Um, I, I could see that, but if it's just street demonstrations that make the demonstrators feel good and draw out the opposition, I don't see it working. I do see some glimmer um, that impeachment not impeachment, impeachment will happen. That removal from office might happen. Um, we, we don't know what's going to happen from day to day. I'm frankly terrified of this criminal probe that Barr has cooked up. Um, 
I, I think we could lose our democracy and be a banana republic, but that's that's not the topic you asked about. Got it. Okay, thanks for the perspective. I, pre- I, I guess I, I, I mean, I look, I, I, I think there is a role for protest, and I, I think, you, you, you know, Lucy, you were talking about the, the whole civil rights protest, and I think that's that was a, an area where you, if you want to look at protest. I think incredibly effective. Now you you can argue that it it took too long, and that might be a fair sort of thing. But I mean, I, I think it called attention to to issues, put pressure on public officials, led to a, a number of laws, which I think you know made very very positive steps when it comes to uh, I, again making us a, a more colorblind society. People could argue if we still have lots of places to go with that. I guess I look at this, and I just. I don't think this is the Vietnam War. I don't think this is, I don't think this is Watergate. I think the reality is if you have protesters that at this point in time flock to the street, we demand that President Trump be removed. I think it is more likely than not that there will overall be a backlash to that because I think there's just like what happened with Act 10. And, and my, my best example is, is what happened with the, the whole recall of, of Governor Walker. And that is that I think there were a lot of people who maybe they didn't necessarily support Scott Walker and maybe they weren't sure about Act 10, but but they didn't like this kind of mob mentality that was out there saying, you know, we, we've got we've to remove him from office because, you know, that, that's what you have elections for. In this particular situation, also with President Trump, I, I think the fact that you've got an election coming up a year from now, I think, takes a lot of steam out of the, the so-called impeachment movement because people who want to remove President Trump, for whatever reason, going to have a chance to do that within the next 12 months. 414-799-1620. And I do think, you know, it, but before this strategy gets embarked on, people – need to be really thinking about is there going to be a backlash because i think there's going to be a lot of people if they see you know protesters that are out there demanding that, that president trump be removed i think to the the people the the it depends voters the the middle the, the people who are maybe persuadable whatever i think there is a real risk of of a backlash phil and cudahy phil you're on wtmj hello yeah hi. um fantastic call prior to this mm-hmm. i appreciated what you said um and I, I kind of agree with both of you yet i believe that yes there will be protests i think they will be successful i hope there's some bipartisan effort there um and i, I definitely think there's going to be backlash what i'm mostly afraid of is i'm mostly afraid of trump calling out people extreme people and inciting violence mm-hmm. And you know what? That's exactly what's going to happen. Well, we, we're, there's no question. We're, we're extremely polarized, and I can easily I, – I don't know if it's Trump calling him out, but I, I can easily but see – well, you know he will. well, he, he will encourage. He will right. Well, what he will say is, is he will say this is a witch hunt, and you have you know you have these these hugely partisan people on the left who've been trying to undermine me for years, and and what you're going to have is you're going to have his supporters, and there definitely will be there definitely will be clashes. Let me ask you this: at the end of the day, is, is Donald Trump president a year from today? No. No. Okay. You think he's going to be removed from office, or you think he's going to resign, or what? I, no, he'll never resign. Okay. Um, I, I think it, you know, I think this is a good topic because it depends how bad this gets. 
mm-hmm. before um, you know some of the Republicans decide that yeah, we can't even we can't even stand near this guy any longer. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it's, it's starting to happen slowly. Uh, you know, I, me personally, I like Mitt Romney, and I'm I'm glad he's he's vocal about what he's doing. Um, I'm not a fan of uh, Lindsey Graham, and uh, I don't like what he's doing, but it's somehow we've got to unite. Those of us who are listening to this conversation right now, um, you know, whether you're a strong Republican or if you're a moderate person like I am or, or whatever, you know, we're all on the same team. And what we, what we can't have is we can't have the, this entire structure, this Democratic uh, you know, experiment that's over 200 years old fall apart on us. Yeah, right now we're we're watching it happen. I'm 55 years old and I'm terrified. But um, you know, I've got I've got three adult children and it's it's going to be their world soon. Right, and I th- know where they stand on it. Yeah, well, Phil, I mean, I guess I, I mean the, the republic is strong. I mean, I you know, if you're 55, you you as I did, you know, we we went through. I was a little bit older during than, than you were during that time, but you know, we we went through the Watergate stuff, and uh, this is a very resilient country, and and you know, we 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 survive things. I think somebody was asking me last night about where where I thought the impeachment process was going, and I I'm still not convinced it's going to be anything different than conventional wisdom. I I do think massive street protests aren't necessarily going to win hearts and minds because at least at this point in time, I, I don't think the American public is there in the, the overwhelming numbers that it was was at, say, for the removal of President Neo Nixon during during the Watergate years, especially as 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 things went on. And I do think there's the likelihood of a backlash. The other thing I, I really do think is that time is not on the side of the impeachment process. And again, I by people are reluctant to remove people from office. That, that's just the, the reality. And in this particular case, maybe, maybe if this were going on, let's say President Trump were reelected and, and he had three years left on his term. Maybe I, I might have a different thinking, I'm not sure I would, on, on the, the politics of how impeachment plays out. In this particular situation, again, given the fact that we're, you know, the, the first presidential primaries or caucuses or whatever are coming up in, what, 90 days or something like that? I mean, it, you know, end of January or early February of next year, we're, we're already, it's going to be November 1st next week. Given the fact that the timing is where it is, where it is, timing is not on the side of, of impeachment. I mean, I, I think the general tendency is going, uh, of removal from office, forget impeachment, that's a different sort of thing. Removal from office, I, I think there's a strong argument to be made that, oh, okay, look, if it's February or March, and you're scheduled to have some sort of trial on these sort of issues. Okay, the question becomes, you know, do, do you remove the president from office, or do you allow the American voters to decide? I, I think time is not on the side of this process, which is one of the reasons why, quite candidly, it seems to me to be more about politics than anything else. Back with more in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> We're back. All right. I have an etiquette question for you. All right. Here, here's the deal. Last 
Well, it would have been a week ago today. I was in Las Vegas with my wife and my two stepdaughters, my brother, etc. Four of us went to see the Journey concert. Journey is performing a series of shows at the Caesars Palace at the Coliseum. So we had pretty good tickets. Now, if you've never been to Caesars Palace and, and their, their big showroom there, it, it's it, it's... It's banked. It's not like it's an arena where there's all these sort of floor seatings. What happens, it's like a theater that, that moves from closest to the stage. It moves up. So you're on different tiers. Our seats were in like section two. So you have the, the first set of of seats that are in the first tier. Maybe there's like 15 rows of them moving back. We're in row two of the second section. But... um. There, but again, you can you can see if everybody's sitting down, you can see the stage. It's no problem. And the, the people we're in row two of like section two hundred one. Uh, the people that are in row one, they're they're in ideal seats because there's like an aisle between the one hundred one and two hundred one. So there's there's nobody in front of them. They, they've they've got and there's more of an elevation. So they've got just a complete view of of the stage. And like I say, we're in row the second row of this section, and I happen to be on, on kind of the inside as opposed to the aisle. So Journey comes out, and the seats are great, just just absolutely great, and they start to play the songs. The woman in front of me, who is in effectively, it's like she's in the front row for all intents and purposes. The woman in front of me, as soon as the band comes out, stands up and, and starts applauding that the band has come out. Okay, I, I get it. That, that That's fine. She she stands up and, you know, she she's applauding and stuff. And I forget what song they opened up with. But, you know, she stands and she's dancing and stuff for, for most of that. At this point, and as, as are many, many, many people in the audience, you know, they're standing up, they're applauding for the band. That, that That's great. Say hi. Okay, after the first song ends... And they start to go into, again, some of the, their lesser-known sort of stuff or whatever. Most, if not all people in this arena, decide that they're going to settle back down into their, their seats. So they, they, they sit down to watch the show, knowing that there will be some of the really popular songs and stuff that they will get up to and they will do the dancing in the chairs later on. But, but we're not at that point in the show. They decide that they're, everybody's going to sit down. So most people, most people sit down. The lady in front of me decides that she does not want to sit down. She decides that she wants to stand. Okay, which, which would be fine, except because she is in the front row on this corner, that means that it's, it's not just me that has to stand and, and everybody like uh, half of across my row – but because of where she is and she decides she wants to stand, it means that people for rows and rows up have to stand to get a good view of the center stage. And if I stand up because I'm six one, that means that even more people are going to have to stand. So I, I'm watching this go on because I keep thinking this lady is going to sit down at some point in time, except she's not going to sit down. And at some point in time, like I want to say after like the third or fourth song, it occurs to me that this is going to be the norm. She's going to be standing for the entire 90-some minute show unless unless somebody takes some action. The somebody probably meaning me going, lady, sit down. All right. 
414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Somebody's in the effectively in the front row. If if you have concert seats in what are the, the effectively the, the front row, so you've got a, a great view, and, and you can apply this to concerts or to sporting events or, or whatever, is it rude to stand for most of the show knowing that by you standing up, what you're going to do is you're going to require a whole bunch of people who are behind you that they're going to have to stand too. Now I understand. I mean, if if you're if somebody's blocking your view, you got no choice to stand up. This lady did not have to stand. She would have had a great view of the stage from her nice, comfortable seat. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, is it rude to stand, or alternatively, you paid for the ticket? You're a fan of the band. You want to rock out. If it inconveniences hundreds of people around you, is it nevertheless your right to stand for as long as you want? 414-799-1620. What is the etiquette? Let's start with Mike and Waukesha. Mike, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Good. I am with you 100%. I've been dealing with this for years, but I don't think it affects hundreds of people. It just affects a certain maybe 25, 50 people, but it's so rude. I don't care if everybody... Well, no, but but the reason it affects more than that is because then everybody behind her starts to stand so they can see around or over her, and it has this ripple effect because so next thing you know, everybody, you know, in the entire section ends up having to stand because... You know, other to see around her. If she would have sat down, the vast majority of people, I think, would have sat down. So true. Yeah. I, I I have to agree with you. Okay, so you you think it's it's a uh, you you just you think it's rude. I think it's very rude. Yeah, yeah. Okay, four one four. Thanks four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. What what is the what is the etiquette? Now again, this is I, I'm seeing a concert. So it, it's not like you're in church or something, but you see this happen all the time. You, you go to a Bucks game, go, go to the Bucks game tomorrow. You've got the person who's in the the second or third row, and they decide that they want to stand not for the not just for the big plays. I mean, I, I sure. I mean, I understand. Hey, th- this is the the super song that they're playing. Yeah, people, everybody gets up and dances and applauds. I understand that. Yeah, it's it's this big move when you know everybody's standing up. It's this great point in the game. But I mean, I'm just talking about uh, okay. You know, are you going to stand for the entire thing? Jeff in Columbus. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Hi. What do you think? I think it's absolutely rude. I was just telling your your uh, the person who uh, right. picked up for me that um, uh, my wife and I had been to so, uh, numerous things like Summerfest and whatnot, you know, um, uh, the biggest one, we were at Camp Randall Stadium. We're um, right across from the Badgers. Uh, in perfect seats, uh, just a little higher than eye level with the players that are standing on the field. Um, Oregon Ducks uh, visitors were sitting right in front of us. There was a whole slew of them. They got these tickets, and they stood the whole time. And I asked him about it. He says, well, we always stand. It's like, well, listen, I bought seats. If you want stands, you should go stand somewhere else. (laughs) I got an usher, and he says, I can't make them sit down. We peppered them with cups and all kinds of things. (laughs) Finally, finally, they they got the hint, but that was uh, past the third quarter. 
Yeah, and it and, and it's kind of like you I mean I, again at a sporting event. I understand it's not like church. I don't expect people to you know go there and sit on their hands necessarily. But at the same time, you're right. You, you paid for seats. When there's a big play going on, you understand why people are, are cheering or standing at certain points. But it's a long darn game if you got to stand the whole three hours. Yeah, there was a comedian that once said he, he had a routine about going to a race, uh, mixed NASCAR race or whatever. And those are stands because those people stand all the time. I guess I don't know. I don't follow that. But when I go, these are seats that I pay for. Yeah. No. I, I got. It. Thanks for calling. I appreciate. It. Okay. What What is the etiquette here? Now, again, if, if you're wondering how I handled it, I, I just kind of let this go because I. I I, I was, I was, we were a journey for my, my two stepdaughters more so than me. And I, I was just, I, the last thing I wanted was to, I, I didn't feel strongly enough to get into a confrontation over this. So, I mean, I was just kind of like looking around her and, and that was fine. But as a result of what this lady was doing, all these other people behind me were, were, st- who paid a bunch of money for these seats. And I appreciate she paid a bunch of money for hers, but they were all, they were all standing up. Is it rude if you're if you're in the front row or in one of those first couple rows to decide that you're going to stand for the whole event? We continue the conversation. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I don't even know how to describe what happened during that break. All I know is that Greg Matzik, dressed as a giant fuchsia bird came in and started sitting down at his little computer screen, and Eric Bilstadt was filming him. I have no idea. what I assume it was something Halloween-related, but maybe not. Maybe it's just a Friday afternoon at WTMJ. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it is it rude to go to a sporting event or a concert or whatever, and especially if you've got good seats, you're like in the front row or first or second row, to stand during the entire event which then means everybody else around you has to stand. Uh, that happened last Friday night when I was at a show at, uh, in Las Vegas. Here's a text, Jeff. It's music. If you're so old you can't rock out, stay home. By the way, I'm older than you are. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, nobody's saying you can't rock out, but does that mean, all right, you paid for a seat that you're going to stand and make everybody else who can rock out just fine by sitting down, they now have to stand around you. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to um, Tony in Oak Creek. Hi, Tony. You're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. Great topic. <laughs> uh, as I told your screener, when Lady Gaga was at Summerfest, we had a decent seats, kind of midsection, and because of this domino effect, uh, people started standing up. Everyone stands, and at the time, I was a candidate for hip surgery. I couldn't stand for two hours. Right. So it was a great, great show, but all I saw was the buck of the woman in front of me. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that got old after a while, I would imagine. Uh, it didn't take long, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, did 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 the, did the lady know, um, what, do you think they were being rude on purpose, or were they just so into it that they just didn't care? Uh, I think it was just, you know, as People stood up and it moved back like a wave. Yeah, uh, you know she got up and was rocking out, and you know that was it. You know, I'd stand up from time to time, but right. uh, you know it. I yeah. understand it happens, and that's probably why we don't go to more concerts. Well, I think there. I mean, thanks. I mean, I I think there is an element to that. There are there are some shows that you go to 
that you understand, and it's kind of a given, that, that you're going to be standing through the whole thing. Okay, I'm a Jimmy Buffett fan. I, I You know, it, it's, it's interesting. I saw Buffett on Saturday night, and one of the reasons at this particular venue I don't get floor seats is because if you're on the floor – Everybody stands, and you stand during the entire show. If you get, like, seats in, in the arena bowl, um, people stand for some and they sit for some, which to me is uh, – it, it makes a lot more sense because I, I just don't want to stand for two hours and 15 minutes. And it's not a question of being too old or not being able to do it. It's just I don't want to do – I don't choose to do it and be looking around people. But there are some concerts that you understand there's going to be there, – there's going to be standers and there's going to be sitters, and most people are going to be standers. I don't know that, that that's all the shows, though. 414-799-1620. Dennis in Milwaukee. Dennis, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my Hi, call. Hi, Dennis. Yeah, I go to a lot of concerts over the years, and I'll tell you, if it's any rock concert especially – I just count on people standing in front of me. So my answer to that question, I try to get whenever I can front row balcony and nobody right. gets in my way except the angels and the saints. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so then my question is, you're you're in front row balcony, so there's I nothing to be – then do you stand up? I don't have to stand that. I've got great seats. Right. So I can sit and watch the whole thing. Well, see, that's – I guess, see, that's that's kind of the, the – point that i was what kind of struck me about this lady she is she's in it wasn't balcony she's even closer but she's in the front row of this section there there's really nothing in front of her she's got a great view and she's paid for this really really comfortable seat and she decided she wanted to stand for you know the better part of you know two hours i'm like really well, sit down you know she probably just doesn't have one of the my pillows and has a neck problem <laughs> There, there you, there you go. Thanks. For, I see that I missed the opportunity, lady. You know, here's what you do: if you have one of those my pillow travel pro- pillows, you'll be all set. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Ben, Port Washington. Ben, you're on WTMJ. Thanks, Jeff. I How did. are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, is it rude to do this? Yes. Okay. Uh, first of all, second of all, what I do every uh, show I go to, whether Riverside Theater, wherever it is, I either get the aisle seat the front row of any section I'm in, but if I'm in a section where somebody decides to stand up, after a song or two, I'll tap on a shoulder and say, excuse me, could you please sit down? And then I'll say, hey, listen, I'm going for a beer. What would you like? And bring it back. And then they sit down and stop it. Yeah. Then I go to one of those Andy friends and I said, listen, uh, I didn't pay 250 bucks for this seat. They'd be sitting here looking at their seat. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, would you be so kind as to sit down? And when I tell people, I said, listen, I played in a rock band for seven years. I was on the other side of this thing. And I appreciate being seen and not have somebody look at somebody else the whole time. So yeah. I would say, yes, tap them on the shoulder. But if they don't sit down kindly... Then you have to get somebody to say, "Would you please have them sit down?" Yeah, and of course the problem. I mean, thanks. The problem is di- different venues don't want to don't want to get involved in, in that sort of thing. Um, and I, I guess here, here's the thing: I, are, are there hard and fast rules? I, I guess no. I just think what happens is that there's a small group of people who, who are just flat out 
rude, I guess, is, is the best way I would do it. Because, and again, I'm not talking about, I understand the signature songs and the songs where everybody's dancing in and they're jumping up and down. I, I get it. There's always going to be roles where, where people are going to stand up, and, and that that's fine. And for the people who say, well, don't ever get out of your seat, well, nuts to them. That That's not why you're going. But the flip side of that is the people that decide they want to stand the entire time. And again, for, for the life of me, if you're in a front row seat, why why you need to stand up for the entire show absolutely beyond me and sporting events same same thing i mean just just standing for the sake of standing during sporting events for you know an hour or two hours to me it, again, it's it's just rude to everybody else. Does that mean that there's not times when everybody's going to be on their feet applauding? Hey, the Packers are are driving, you know, or they've got a big defensive stand. Well, of course you're going to be standing there. Hey, the Brewers have the bases loaded or whatever, and you know every pitch matters. Well, of course you're going to be standing for that. But do you need to stand the whole darn time? My answer would be no. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Yes, that, that forecast you just heard, Tuesday, rain and snow. <laughs> rain and snow. Now, my friend and colleague, Jane Matinair, said, well, at least it's probably not going to stick around too long, to which I said, how do you know? I mean, how do we know it's not going to stick around? For all we know, we could get that snow next Tuesday and be here until next April. Hopefully not. All right. A lot of ground to cover in this hour. Pop Culture Corner coming up at 2.30. Speed kills. At least it kills profits. Now, yesterday on the program, I, I say I, I'm fascinated by how we consume stuff. And we talked about the fact that Amazon is going after dollar stores. Amazon, that's kind of just you know, driven brick-and-mortar retailers out of business right and left. But one of the areas that they haven't really been able to crack into is dollar stores because, first of all, the the, the, the folks who shop at dollar stores – tend to be people who, who don't drop a lot of money shopping like big ticket items at Amazon. And, and secondly, the idea has been that, you know, for these dollar stores, hey, you, you go into them, you, you need some razor blades or, or whatever. You need a couple bars of soap. You, you run in, you pick these things up. The typical purchase is going to be on average like 10 to $12 or something like that. And it hasn't really been a, a market that people aren't going to sit there and say, well, I'm going to, I need, I need a pack of razor blades. So here I'm going to go on Amazon.com. Amazon, in an effort to try to get into this market, though, has been monkeying around with their charges, essentially offering almost free delivery, even on these small type of products, in an effort to try to get into the dollar store business and kind of cut into their business. We discussed yesterday whether we thought this was going to be a successful strategy. And even though you would go broke betting against Amazon, I think they're going to, I think they've got a tough road to hoe in this particular situation. Well, after we had that conversation, Amazon is back in the news because yesterday they, they announced earnings. Now, Amazon has been a license to print money essentially since it started. And if you owned Amazon stock in the beginning, you have made a ton of money over over time. However, interestingly, after about two years of just surging growth, 
What happened yesterday is Amazon announced that its third quarter profit fell 26% from a year ago. Now, they, they still made a bunch of money. Um, you know, $4.23 a share. That still made a bunch of money. So don't, don't get me wrong. You're not going to have to have any, you know, tag sales for Amazon. But its profit fell 26% from a year ago and it missed the analysts' estimates. Analysts thought that they'd, you know, have earnings of about $4.60 a share. They missed pretty badly, $4.23 a share. This was the first profit decline since 2017. All right. So so what happened and and why why did this kind of go sideways on Amazon? Is it because people aren't shopping online? No. What it is, it's because of the way they changed their delivery system. Now, one of the things that Amazon figured that that needed to do was it needed to get stuff in people's hands faster. And so you, you saw the advent of like Amazon Prime where people, you know, spend extra money. And what happens is the result of spending this extra money, you can get in almost all cases, you can get next day delivery of stuff for free. I mean, you can I, I'm always amazed by this. You, you can order. You could go on Amazon. Tomorrow is Saturday. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, you can go, let's say that uh, there's some CD or some book or something like that that you want. You, know, you can go on Amazon and you can essentially get free delivery the next day, a, a Sunday. It's just, it's it's amazing the convenience. And, and what Amazon has done is, is, it's not just the free delivery, but it's almost the instantaneous stuff. That, I mean, the next day kind of thing, because that's always been the one advantage of the brick and that the brick and mortar retailers had. You you go to Barnes and Noble. You know, you want that book. They've got it. You drive there. You you know you pay for it and you take it home. You you've got it. You don't have to wait for it. So what Amazon has been doing is they're been saying, okay, we want to get away from that. We we obviously we can't we can't give you you know one hour service, but we can give you one day service. And they've been been doing that. Okay, well here's what's happened: the worldwide shipping costs. Okay, and the, the, let's talk about it's a macro thing. The shipping costs have jumped 46% over the last year as the company processes higher expenditures related to the one-day shipping program for Prime subscribers. So because of this one-day free shipping thing, their costs have gone up 46%, 46%. They estimate that in the next quarter, the company expects to spend roughly double what it did in the second quarter on one day shipping. So they're they're paying just a ton of money to do this and it is cutting into their profits. The other thing that they are finding and and, and candidly I, I find myself doing this is before when people had to pay for shipping, like let's say they had you got free shipping if you had you know if you ordered more than a hundred dollars, whatever the amount was, okay? <clears throat> you know what what I would do is you I'd kind of bundle my purchases. I I'd wait until I had you know 
like $100, if that was the magic number for free shipping, I'd wait till I had $100 worth of stuff before I'd send the order in. Now what they're finding is people with this Amazon Prime, they, they make multiple small orders in a given day. So let's say you decide you want to buy some deodorant and some razor blades. And, you know, maybe the whole cost is going to be $15. Okay, you go on there, you're thinking, I want the order laser blades, you put it in, free shipping, next day delivery, boom, you order it. Then an hour or two later, you're watching, you say, you know what, I, 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 that, that book looks really interesting. You go on and you order the book, boom, free delivery. In any event, it, it's eating into their profits big time. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How important, and this is this is the issue that Amazon is going to be wrestling with, how important is that next day delivery to you? Is, is this, is it a make or break thing? Do you think, would you or will other people, for example, be less inclined to, to order stuff online if, like in the old days, you have to wait two or three or four days for it? How important is getting the stuff the next day? Because that's what Amazon is all about right now, but it's also costing Amazon a, a fortune. And again, we don't have to have a tag sale for Amazon, but they got to wrestle with, and I think what they're going to try to do now is figure out how important is that free next day delivery. So from your perspective, if, if now you had to go back and you had to start waiting, you know, th- those two or three days, would you be less inclined to buy things? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It always used to be, hey, you order something, you you wait three four days, and it shows up, you know, in delivered to your house. Not so much anymore. But that comes with a huge cost to some of these these companies, and it's starting to eat into the profit margins. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, and it's going to obviously, I think, inform some of the decisions that get made, you know, as as we're moving forward. Which is, do they discontinue this? Do they start charging a lot more for Prime? What's going to happen? Let's start with Linda in Cudahy. Hi, Linda. You're in WTMJ. Hi. Well, I agree that they probably are losing money on shipping to the customer, and your example of multiple orders in right. one day is, a, is a, a good example. But I think the other mistake that they made was allowing you to return packages to Kohl's. Department stores and Kohl's was very smart with this because for every one package you bring back, shipping back to Amazon, they give you a 25% off coupon. Well, if whatever I bought, like clothes, I didn't work out at Amazon, I've got 25% off now to shop at Kohl's. So I think that was another big mistake Amazon made is they're losing, you know, people coming back to Amazon to shop for something else because they can shop at Kohl's now. With a discount, and you know, women love discounts. So right, yeah. well, everybody loves everybody loves discounts, Linda. Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> exactly. Okay, how important is that? How important is like next day delivery to you as a shopper? Oh, to me, it's very important. I own an IT company. Okay. So getting you know computer parts in very quickly is extremely important. Plus, I get last minute invites to events and maybe want to wear something new and knowing that I can get it from Amazon and wear it the next day or two is great. I mean, I love Amazon. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. No, thanks. I see that it it it, it definitely. I, I will tell you, I I shop online a lot more now because even though for a lot of stuff I don't necessarily need it the next day. I like getting it the next day, and it makes me more inclined to to do that. I, I so I mean it, it's an, it's unquestionably a draw, but there's no doubt that it's an incredible expense that, that's there, and they're starting to see this. And I don't know how they're going to balance it all out. I, I think you know Amazon wants to rule the world. No offense, there's nothing wrong with people wanting to rule the world. I think they're going to have to balance it out because right now, from the del- their delivery costs are just going absolutely totally through the roof, and it's it's understandable how how that is because if for people who have Amazon Prime, you know you're going to deliver stuff the next day. Um, and for a thirty dollar order or whatever, by the time you you know not only pay for the goods but pay to have it processed and then pay somebody to drive it out to someone's house, you're you know it's got to eat into the profit margin. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We have talked extensively over the last couple of days about this this terrible terrible decision made by the Common Council in general, but in specific one alderman, Khalif Rainey, to kill somewhere in the neighborhood of 250 to 500 good paying jobs for an area in the inner city of Milwaukee that that needs it desperately. And, And the more details that come out about this, the more it just stinks to high heaven. Long story short, the Century City area, which is the old Tower Automotive A.O. Smith stuff, the city has taken it, took it over in 2009. It's 31st and Capitol moving to the west. It is a moonscape. The, the city spent a ton of money trying to you know, deal with environmental issues. They've been trying to get industry into this area aggressively since 2009, but especially since 2014, and they haven't had too many takers. It, it's... It's an economically depressed area. It's got crime problems. It doesn't have freeway access. They've got one or two small businesses there, but, but they don't have the big manufacturing concerns. They thought they had landed the whale. This, this Strauss Brands, which is a, a high-tech, modern meatpacking facility in Franklin. Um, Strauss Brands was going to move from Franklin. They were going to be like the prime tenant in this area. They would have immediately brought like 100 to 150 jobs. They would have probably had up to 500. You know, people that talk about Strauss Brands, you, you, you hear, well, it's a slaughterhouse. Well, okay, it's it's a high-tech meatpacking facility. There's no smell. The people in Franklin love it. You don't even know that it's essentially there, but it would be bringing jobs in. This was... It was just green-lighted, and it looked like it was going to be there. The alderman, Khalif Rainey, was in favor of this. The mayor was there. The city development pushed it through. So they announced it. What happened then was you have, okay, some of these animal rights nuts who decide that they don't like meat. And so they start to object about this. Then what happens is they agitate in the community, and a bunch of people in the community who know nothing about Strauss, they call Alderman Khalif Rainey, and he backs down. He turns his back on, again, hundreds of good-paying jobs in his district. Well, now it gets even weirder. Um, Lena Taylor is the state senator who's running for mayor, you know, screaming Lena Taylor. Her chief of staff 
apparently has a, a radio show on one of the urban radio stations. Okay, Now, Lena Taylor wants to make Tom Barrett look bad. Her chief of staff on this urban radio station apparently is agitating people in Rainey's district, talking about this being a terrible thing, et cetera, et cetera, and, and trying to organize opposition. And then Rainey caves like a, a cheap suit. So now Lena Taylor can go out and say, see, Tom Barrett failed. You know, he could, couldn't bring this home. The, the whole thing, it, it stinks worse than a 1920s slaughterhouse in July. Uh, you, what you have is you have, you know, members of the Common Council and the State Senate who appear to have actively decided that either directly through themselves or through, you know, people that, you know, were on their staffs or whatever, to try to undermine bringing hundreds of good-paying jobs into an area that desperately needs it. And I, I mean, I started off the show by talking about how frustrated the mayor was about this hit and run, you know, where you have the, the little, the kid that loses his life yesterday. Well, I mean, this is another one. You know, you, it's not like you have businesses that are falling all over themselves to locate a, a plant that's going to have up to 500 jobs on 31st and Capitol. I mean, they haven't been able to do this. You have this lined up, and then all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, you have some of these agitators, some who have, I think, perhaps their own political agenda, who come up, they try to kill the thing. You have the guy on the Common Council, the alderman, who, you know, uh, folds, like I say, like a, like a cheap suit, decides, okay, well, I, I've got some constituents that don't want this, and instead of standing up and saying, hey, this is going to be great for our community, says, okay, we're, I, I, I don't want it, he kills it, and then Strauss Brand says, look, we don't want to be somewhere we don't want, you don't want us, you don't want our 500 jobs, fine, we'll, we'll stay in Franklin, or we'll move somewhere else. I mean, I hope they stay in Franklin, as opposed to, for example, moving out of, of this area. But the whole thing is just a complete and total mess. And, you know, for anybody moving forward, any one of these elected officials who complains there's not enough good paying, you know, family sustaining jobs with benefits in the inner city of Milwaukee, all you can say is, okay, well, remember, here was a chance and you, you collectively elected officials, you got together for your own agenda or whatever, you conspired to undermine this and you killed these jobs. So don't talk about, you know, don't talk about trying to bring jobs into these areas. This is something that Tom Barrett, give them credit. They had this all lined up. These were jobs. And they said no to him because I think some of these petty politicians saw that there was a chance to make political points. How you like that for the alliteration? And as a result, the community gets messed over. Don't complain about a lack of jobs. And I don't know what the I don't know what the city does now because how can you go to any other company and try to convince them to move into the moonscape that is Century City after what happened with Strauss? just happened. It is a disgrace on all the levels, and the more information that comes out, the worse everybody looks. This is Jeff Wagner. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by New Femme Rejuvenation Clinic. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 414-799-1620 to get on the show. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. Okay, so that was one of our teammates dressed in a giant dog costume with an admiral's jersey above it. I, I, Eric Bill, what, what Eric Bill said is doing with all this, I, I don't exactly know. But 
He'll, he'll tell us on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Okay, this is the point in the week where we put away the heavy lifting. We, you know, we, we stop talking about where the impeachment process is or the carnage on the streets of Milwaukee. And, and we try to lighten it up to go into the good weekend. I call it Pop Culture Corner. Sometimes we talk uh, movies. Sometimes, I don't know, travel. Sometimes food. Just depends on, on what interests me in a particular day. All right, so last week... I am in Las Vegas, saw a lot of shows when I was in Las Vegas. Last Thursday night, I went to see the Barry Manilow show. Now, I, the, I saw Barry Manilow. I will never forget this. It was the night, 1982, Game 7 of the, when the Brewers were playing the St. Louis Cardinals of the World Series. And I, I went... I, I went with the woman who became my wife. We, we went to, to the concert. Must have been love or something like that. So I haven't seen Barry Manilow since then. Last Thursday night, Barry Manilow plays at the, it's the old Hilton. I think they call it the Westgate now. So I, I don't know exactly why. We got tickets. So we went to see the Barry Manilow show. And um, Barry is, is 76 years old. He's, um, I don't, he's a little bit older. But still, if you like Barry Manilow stuff, he, he puts on he puts on a, a good show. I, I wouldn't say it'd be one that I would be rushing back to see again, but it, it was fine. Got to see him put on a good show. It was all good. The last show, the, the last song he does, the, the big the big like we're we're done number, where the steps descend from the, the ceiling is he does the song at the Copa, you know, Copa Cabana. That that's that's the, the big song. He did he did a lot of jingles. That's how he got his start. He did, I you know Barry Manilow. I mean, he got started. He did the um, the the Band Aid brand thing. I'm stuck on Band Aids because Band Aids stuck on me. That that was his. He did the uh, Like a Good Neighbor. State Farm is there. He did that. He he made money writing jingles before he became a star. I think didn't he do the American Family Insurance one too? The State Farm. Like a oh, good okay. neighbor, right. State Farm is there. That's what he did. He did. Uh, he did a McDonald's one. I, I think it might have been the "You Deserve a Break Today" one. But but he, he made he made money. That's how he did it before he he took off and hit it big time. In any event, his big show stopping thing at the end is Copacabana. All right. So I, as you can tell, I'm I'm kind of so so on Barry Manilow. It was a good song. Okay, but he plays this this song. All right. This was more than a week ago. It was last Thursday night. I haven't been able to get this damn song out of my mind. It has been eight days, and in the just right behind the threshold of my brain, I keep hearing at the Copa Copa Cabana. I I can't. It is this earworm that I can't get out of my mind, and it just re- repeating it over and over and over again. It's Barry Manilow at Copa Cabana. I saw I saw Journey. I saw Jimmy Buffett. I saw all these other acts. I saw all this other other entertainment, and and it's I'm I'm stuck on Copa Cabana. It is this earworm. So because I am stuck on Copa Cabana, and that is my earworm, I thought we would have a little bit of fun and maybe annoy some people. I also acknowledge this, but okay, what's your for Pop Culture Corner? That song that once you hear it, you can't get out of your head. What is your earworm? And I, I apologize for bringing this up, but, you know, it's the one you hear that song and then it's just going to stick with you for days or weeks or months. 
That song you can't get out of your head. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For me, I'm stuck on Copacabana. All right, Gru is lining up the calls. As we always say during these segments, I encourage people to call in quickly because we want to get to as many calls as possible, and our phone lines tend to jam up. And um, also, go with your first instinct. You don't have to overthink it. But you hear that song, you can't get it out of your head. Maybe you're dealing with an earworm right now like I am. Back to talk in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by New Femme Rejuvenation Clinic. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. I said to my producer, I said, should we come back with you know the ultimate earworm, Baby Shark? And he said, no, I don't think we should do that. 414-799-1620. You hear the tune. You can't get it out of your head. Lisa in Mequon. Lisa, you're first. Hello. First, I have to say, Jeff, what a nightmare that you're experiencing Copacabana. <laughs> oh, yes, at, at, it could be worse, but yes, at the Copa. I yeah, I, I don't know if it could be, <laughs> but I, I do want to offer quickly the cure for, for an earworm. Okay. And it's to sing a non-loopable phrase, and the one that was presented to me, and it really helped because the music of Hamilton was stuck in my head for, for weeks. Okay. Couldn't even sleep. Right. But a, a non-loopable jingle, as it were, so Barry Manilow. But by Menon, by Menon. Okay. And so that that that'll that'll drive Copa out of my head, huh? Well, if that if not that, a sledgehammer. Might work. <laughs> That's it. So you 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 got the music from Hamilton stuck in your head, huh? To the point where I couldn't sleep for days. It was it was <laughs> yeah. maddening, but it's. <laughs> Such wonderful music. Right, but you want to sleep. I get it. Okay, thanks for the call. You know, Hamilton, of course, opened in Milwaukee a couple days ago. I've never seen Hamilton. I I mean, I've I've heard some of the tunes. I've never seen Hamilton. It is definitely on my list. 414-799-1620. Mary in Sheboygan. Hi, Mary. You're in WTMJ. Hi. um, I'd rather have Copacabana stuck in my head. Okay. My husband thinks it's really funny every time he played... um, Trucking. Oh, by the by, dead. By the dead. Yeah. Trucking, yeah. <laughs> well, I have forbid him to play that anymore. Oh, because yeah. when you hear it, it's going to be with you for days, huh? Oh, yeah, it drives me crazy. And uh, if uh, he plays it again in front of me, we might not make 47 years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is he a deadhead in general, or does he just do this to kind of get your goat? Uh, he used to do it to get my goat, but now he he honors my wishes. I under, I understand. Smart <laughs> smart man, right? Smart man. <laughs> thanks yes, for the dear. thanks for the call. All right, I'm, I'm actually looking for ideas. If yeah, I'm you know I, trucking. I mean, I like trucking and I like the dead, but I'm I don't don't know that I want to replace. I I do want to replace Copa. There's no question about it. Jason in Sheboygan. Jason, what is your earworm? You hear it, you can't get it out of your head. Uh, I don't know why, but it's Bad to the Bone by George Thorogood. Oh, okay. Huh. I don't know why either. <laughs> yeah, it, it just sticks with me all the time. And, but uh, I will tell you how to get it get it out of your head. Is listen to it again tonight when you get home. It'll okay. be gone. It'll be gone. Okay. I, okay, so that that's not going to reinforce it. All I need to do is hear nope. it one time all the way through, yep. and it's going to be history, huh? A hundred percent. Okay, thanks. Well, that I, I'm, I'm willing to try it because it's been a week. I mean, it's been a week, and I find myself humming the tune. And by the way, I don't like the t- – well, it's not that I don't hate it, but it's not like it's something that I particularly love. Karen in Menominee Falls. Karen, you're on WTMJ. 
Hi, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Thanks for calling. Okay, what is your earworm? You hear it, and it's stuck with you for days. Yes, my earworm is Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then it's ba, 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 and I just, oh, my God, I keep doing it. But <laughs> the way I get it out of my head is to listen to it from beginning to end. Then it, then it seems to go away. Oh, just like the last guy said. He said, if I go back and I listen to Copa all the way through, it will be gone, and I will be able to sleep at night. You hope so. Until the next time you hear it, then it's <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I, I get it. no. Thanks, I actually care, and I'm, I, I, you know, Sweet Caroline, I get it. That's one, and of course, it, it's ubiquitous now. I mean, you hear they play it at the, at the sporting events and stuff, and and all that. Yeah, it's. I, I, I'm afraid if I hear that, that could be the the new one. John in Superior. Hi, John. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Take it easy by the Eagle. Oh, okay, okay. You're kind of a '70s rock guy, yeah. Yeah, well, the reason, and the reason for it is I've always liked the song. Yep. Then I saw the Eagles in concert. I liked it even more. Yeah. But then I got on a flight coming home from Denver about 10 years ago, and I had learned how to do the thing where in in coach you could board early. Okay. And they were playing that (laughs) with the speakers. Okay. 45 straight minute oh no over and over and it became it just became a running joke <laughs> you know, we did everything but try to evacuate the plane and the only way i can get rid of it is i look forward to going to bed that night so i can go to sleep i get up the next morning and fight oh well, there you go that's that, that that's good so thanks i see i actually the history of to take it easy i i, I saw this uh, Glenn Fry, Take It Easy is a Jackson Brown song, even though the Eagles kind of made it famous, really. And, and Glenn Fry from the Eagles, he lived above Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown, like, lived in the basement, and he was writing the song, and he couldn't, he, he kept, like, playing it over and over again, and he couldn't get the second verse. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed Ford slowing down to take a look at me. And um, Glenn Fry was the one that gave Jackson Brown that lyric. But he said, he just, I just listened to this guy. He played it over and over and over again as he was searching for, like, like the second verse. 414-799-1620. Dennis on the south side. Dennis, what's your earworm? Well, I'll tell you. Before Baby Shark, I think the universal earworm had to be it's a small world. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Go to you, but, right. You but, go to Disney. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But aside from that, if you look at a rock song, I'd say My Sharona. Oh <laughs> boy, I, I I I haven't thought of that song in years. I'm afraid if I actually start thinking of it, I will replace Copa with My Sharona. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's 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 okay. I I you know I appreciate it. We're we're tough here, Mike in West Dallas. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah. Hi, Mike. Um, yeah, uh, Healthy Rhonda. Oh, by the Beach Boys. Yep. That he, seemed like last year everybody was playing that everywhere I went, and it just sticks in your ear, and you he, just keep humming it to yourself. Yeah, you know that when I, I was thinking when you were talking about the Beach Boys, you know, you know the the song of theirs that probably sticks in my mind most is a California Girls. You know, East Coast Girls are hip and all that kind of stuff. That that one kind of sticks in my mind. But okay, now I'm going to be. Are you, thank you. I'm going to now be going to think of help me Rhonda all night tonight. <laughs> I I appreciate that. Thanks for all, for all for everybody out there who's helping me get cope out of my mind. I thanks. So now it's going to be help me Rhonda or whatever. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Bill in Oshkosh. Bill, you're on WTMJ. 
Hi, Jeff. How you doing? I'm good. What's what's your earworm? Once you hear it, you can't get it out of your mind. Well, it's sort of an off-the-wall song. It was called I Was Kaiser Bill's Batman by Whistling Jack Smith. It, th- that's mostly a whistling song, right? Right. Okay. <laughs> and it's, it's a happy song, but once you get going with it, it's hard to let go of it. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, right. I don't think, thank you. I don't think I've ever, I, I've heard of it. I, I can't place it. And candidly, given the fact that I've lived with Copa for the last, you know, week or so, the last thing I want to do is replace it with, uh, like a whistling song. Let's, <laughs> let's talk to, um, Rick, who's calling us from Eau Claire. Hi, Rick. How you doing, Jeff? I'm well, thank you. Okay. Your earworm is? My earworm is, well, I've got a 17 year old son. And he, he's a big Beatles fan, and his alarm clock is oh blah dee, oh blah da. <laughs> Life goes on. <laughs> Life goes on. I had to listen to that in a tree stand this morning oh, no. for like two hours. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you're going to be humming that for the next weekend or so, next few days, That's huh? Right. That's uh, right. Well, at least it, you're, it's kind of cool. How did your 17-year-old son become a Beatles fan? You know, I'm 56. Yeah. And uh, I listen to classic rock, and, and he's just a classic rock lover. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, you're obviously doing something right. <laughs> you know? I am. You are. That, that's great. Now, thank, you see, that, that's one of the cool things about you, you go to, for example, Buffett concerts. I understand Buffett's uh, you, people either get them or they don't. I'm good with that. But what, what happens is you, you see second and now kind of third generations. It, it's people who you know started listening to him in the mid-'70s, and they raised their kids on that music, and they got into it, and now you know their kids are raising their, their kids on it. It's just it, it is one of the cool things. So I, I get it when he's – I thought it was interesting that the 17-year-old is into the Beatles, but obviously Dad is doing something right. I'm absolutely swamped with uh, just text replies for this. I, I, I am going to read them all, I, I promise. I don't have time to read them all in the air, but I, I'm looking to replace this earworm with another earworm because, well, it's just, I mean, Barry Manilow puts on a good show, but it's not. It's just not cool. I want a cool earworm, um, maybe brown-eyed girl. That could be one. Anything by Van Morrison might work. Okay, I'm out of time. Thanks for participating. When we come back, we're going to find out what Eric Bilstad and Melissa Barkley have on their minds for a Halloween edition of Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.